Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London, I'm Josh Noble. Today we're looking at how the chip industry has been caught up in the US's widening trade war with China. The US Justice Department has accused China's Fujian Jinhua of stealing technology from US rival Micron. Malcolm Moore discusses what's behind the dispute and why China is so dependent on others for this key technology with Emily Fung in Beijing and Catherine Hiller in Taipei. Emily, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about Fujian Jianhua? What kind of computer chips does it make? And just tell us a little bit about the company and what its ambitions are. Well, Fujian Jianhua is a chipset manufacturer, but it makes a very specific type of memory chip called DRAM, which is used in a lot of common devices like phones, computers, that stores short-term memory so that you can operate the device normally. And the company itself, Fujian Jianhua, is pretty much a state-backed company. It's nominally private, but it was founded by two state-backed firms in Fujian province, and it was chosen from very early stage to be one of these domestic champions in semiconductors, which is this really crucial sector that China wants to be a global competitor in by 2025. So Jinghua, from the very start, had state capital to fund some of its early research. It got state subsidies to build this massive billion-dollar factory in Fujian province, and all of it was so that it could become one of these leading homegrown heroes in semiconductors in China. Compared to China's other semiconductor companies, where does it rank in terms of size and technology? Well, it's one of four upcoming memory chip factories that's being built, and I think that it's one of the largest. China actually just doesn't have many domestic chipset manufacturers, so the four that are being built currently, including Fujian Jinghua, are pretty much the biggest ones that China currently has that are building these DRAM memory chips, as well as different types of memory chips. And why have the Chinese decided it's so strategically important to prioritize their own chip makers? Because they've realized that they're heavily dependent on these very high-end tech components from Western companies, whether that's South Korean companies like Samsung or SK Hynix, which also make these memory chips, or Micron, which is an American company, AMD, Intel. A lot of the components still come from China, but at the end of the day, they're very crucial semiconductor that's going into the device itself still comes from American or South Korean companies. And that's a vulnerability in supply chains that China is very keen on correcting. And in this specific case, the U.S. Justice Department has charged Fujian Jinhua with conspiracy to steal trade secrets from U.S. rival Micron and has banned American companies from doing business with a Chinese company. How badly is this going to hit Fujian Jinhua? Well, first of all, I think it's important to understand exactly what move the U.S. took against Jinghua. The U.S. put it on what's called an entity list, meaning that the American Commerce Department will now require all American companies who normally would sell to Fujian Jinghua to first obtain a license. And it's presumed that that license would be denied unless there was some special case to be made. That means that Fujian Jinghua can't get any American-made components or machinery to make its memory chips. Jinghua uniquely, I think, is also really dependent on U.S. companies. So the export ban is going to hurt it much more so than maybe some other chipset companies because the machinery they use to make these memory chips basically all comes from the U.S. So this export ban really hits them hard. The factory at Fujian is being built in two stages. The first phase is a much smaller version of the factory than that which is planning on being built. So the second phase of this massive factory probably won't be able to come into fruition anytime soon. Right. Okay. Catherine, what is the view in Taiwan about the competition from Chinese chipmakers? Is there any concern there about where China has reached in terms of technology and how quickly they're catching up? It depends on what segment of the chip industry we're talking about. The Taiwanese government has long kept a very close eye on the development of the Chinese chip industry and Chinese ambitions to catch up. 
And the segment where Taiwan is strongest, which is core semiconductor manufacturing, that is also the segment where China has struggled the most to catch up. And if you look at TSMC, the world's largest contract chip maker, they're still three generations of process technology ahead of SMIC, China's largest chip manufacturer. And the gap has actually been widening. So there doesn't seem to be any threat there. Also, because the amount of investment you have to put into this segment of the chip industry keeps getting larger. And so TSMC's key competitors have all been dropping out of the race and decided to concentrate on more mature manufacturing technology. But the picture is very different if you look at chip design, for example, or or what is called the back end, testing and packaging. I mean, in testing and packaging, China's caught up. And in design, actually, they've long been faster to catch up as well. And ironically, in some cases, with the help of Taiwanese companies. And I think that the main concern in Taiwan, both in the industry and in government, and even more so also in the US government, is about the flow of technology and people from Taiwan into the Chinese chip sector. And that is what this Micron UMC Fujian Jinhua case is all about, because according to Micron's allegations, which are backed up by accusations from Taiwanese prosecutors, engineers were poached from a Taiwanese chip company by UMC, who were asked to bring Micron technology, which UMC then allegedly handed to Fujian Jinhua. So this is the key pattern we see in a whole series of cases across the strait. What action can you take, though, against that flow of people back and forth? Well, that is the big question right now, not just for Taiwan, but I think that is the million-dollar question the U.S. security community and technology policymaking community is looking at right now, because the U.S. is in the middle of discussions on how to revise the existing export control systems to deal with a new world in technology, basically, to make export control tools fit for the age of AI, where it's not just about some pieces of equipment, but just ideas and pieces of software that are moving around. And one key problem here is how to screen ongoing research in emerging technologies. So that would probably include, for example, visiting scientists, visa requirements to be screened more thoroughly. That's a very, very tricky question, especially for democracies, because it would touch upon academic freedoms and maybe freedom of speech. So that is an area you could argue where some people in democracies fear that China has a kind of asymmetric advantage because the Chinese government wouldn't care about these things, but democracies do. So that's very tricky, but that's probably the direction to go. So do you see this tougher line that the US administration is taking in terms of trade controls continuing? I definitely do expect that the U.S. administration will continue doing this. We've had a couple of cases in the past where they didn't react, partly because no U.S. company was involved. So clearly, if it's purely about semiconductor manufacturing, I think the existing export controls can be helpful because certain kinds of U.S.-made equipment, especially machinery that helps detect faults in wafers in the production process. That kind of machinery, China can't make itself. So if you put an export ban on that kind of stuff, they will have to stop production, unless, that is, 
the US's allies in Europe and in Japan decide to allow their companies to continue exporting that kind of equipment. I think in the US, you have mainly two companies that make this kind of equipment, but there is also, if I'm not mistaken, a Dutch manufacturer and also a Japanese one. So the key thing would be for the Trump administration to not wage trade war with everyone around the globe at the same time, but to seek some kind of consensus with allies when it comes to China. Right. And how do you think China will respond? I think the stepping up from the US end of pressure on China has a long way to go. I mean, when it comes to technology, we're only at the very beginning because the phenomenon we've called the trade war so far, basically ratcheting up import duties on products, in that area, tech has gotten off quite lightly so far. When we start seeing more export controls, maybe intervention on other kinds of technology transfer through research collaboration or more restrictions on investment, that might become a bigger problem for China. And I don't know how they will respond. They could respond in areas that on the surface of things have nothing to do with trade, for example, cybersecurity. There has been a resurging trend, at least according to cybersecurity companies, in cyber attacks on Western corporate targets with the intention of stealing technology from actors that these cybersecurity companies say are backed by the Chinese state. There had been some kind of promise from the Chinese side in 2015 from Xi Jinping himself that China would stop doing this. And apparently after this promise, there was a dip and these things went down. But over the last two years, apparently the trend has gone up again. So you could imagine that if there are more restrictions from the US end, then there might be larger pressure to steal technology through cyber attacks. But I really don't know. I mean, that's pure speculation. Okay, well, thank you very much, Emily and Catherine. That was Malcolm Moore talking to Emily Fung and Catherine Hiller. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com forward slash offer. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.